Hey everybody, just wanted to take a few seconds of your time before the podcast starts. Just wanted to let you know about a passion project of mine for the last three years called Hustle Focused Energy. It's a powdered drink mix intended to help you focus and accomplish your goals. Super excited to bring this to market. Go check it out, hustletheday.com. And thank you so much for listening. On this episode of the Hustle the Day podcast, I have Krista Ripma. Krista is a fascinating individual. She is the founder of Authentic Audience, a digital marketing agency, but she's all about authenticity and has some amazing business tips that are kind of out of the box. And I was really excited to be able to speak to her. I think you're going to enjoy this. Let's get to it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustle of the Day podcast. My name is Trent. Super excited and honored to have Krista Ritma here. Krista, I want you to jump in here and tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, my name's Krista, and I am the co-founder of Authentic Audience. We're a digital marketing company. I'm a launch strategist. I'm a marketing coach. I'm a resistance coach. I have a podcast, courses, um, my purpose here is definitely a spiritual one, but I mask it by my marketing company. So um, I love marketing though. It's storytelling. It's helping people grow. It's helping people share their gifts with the world and mostly overcome their fear and resistance to selling. So uh, yeah, that's what we do. I love what I do and happy to be here. Our company's about three years old. Perfect. So you mentioned something in that initial introduction, the launch strategist. It seems like there's not a lot of emphasis on the launch for a lot of young entrepreneurs. It's more, hey, I just need to get my product out there. When is it too late to have a launch strategy? Like, should you be planning six months in advance, a year in advance? Like, where, where do you start wanting to work with people when they're getting ready to launch something? 90 days. So I work in 90 day sprints and I need three months um, with you uh, to launch something successfully. And I learned that early on. Um, so that's the way that our contracts work. They're all only 90 days. I have nobody in like a year contract. We don't do anything like that. We work in 90 day sprints on a project to project basis. Um, also, if you have a good product or a good service and you focus on that one thing launching for 90 days, usually it will work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wherever you put your focus on is where the energy is going to go. So if we can create a really clear 90-day strategy, everything from warming up, right? So growing your email list, getting awareness campaigns going, getting things out there. A huge mistake I see a lot of entrepreneurs make is there's no warm up. They launch something and they take me straight from the awareness to the sale. Um, mm. But the biggest and most important step of marketing is consideration. So we have awareness, consideration, then purchase. Um, so that 90-day strategy gives us time for that consideration, building the loyalty, building the trust. And then when you go to launch and either open cart, close cart, whatever you want to do, uh, people are so excited and like ready for it. So leading up to the launch, you know, we work together for 90 days, but the last two weeks of those 90 days, that's the launch. Okay. Um, everything before that is what's really important. 
Right. Yeah, it is absolutely important to get that lined up right so that you are conveying the right message to your audience. And, you know, like you said, they've got to have that consideration period as well. Yeah. Um, so going back a bit before we jump too much into the marketing side of things, where did your entrepreneurial journey start? Um, it's so random. And I think most entrepreneurs probably say that. Um, I didn't have like a clear idea that I even wanted to be an entrepreneur. I just, I loved storytelling. I loved visual storytelling. My background was in film and communications and I thought I wanted to be a TV producer, just like pulling all the pieces together um, to tell this really important story that makes people feel something. Um, and that's really what marketing is. It's like making people feel something through storytelling. And so over the years, that's morphed from working in Hollywood to living in Aruba, to getting deported from Aruba, to getting to be in the behind the scenes of building these like million uh, following, you know, millions of followers, brands. Um, and just seeing how that works was really exciting to me. Getting to see my strategies play out in front of really big audiences is really fun. Um, and more than that, I think I have this like excitement around helping people bring their gifts into the world. And right now, that's marketing for me. Um, I don't know if marketing is the end-all be-all. You know, my why is to help remind people that they can fly and that they're unique and that they can be abundant in that. And, you know, everything, all of this mindset stuff that really comes along with entrepreneurship. Um, but I like having my hand in a lot of pots. I think that's really what it is. Every time I had one boss or one project or one uh, mission. I was bored. Um, it wasn't that exciting to me. I'm a Gemini. I don't know if you know much about astrology, but Geminis are like kind of flighty. We like to be involved in a lot of different things. And so working in these 90 day sprints is really great because you're really focused, you're really connected, you're really dropped in for 90 days. And then at the end, if they're successful, they can go fly and use your strategy. And so that works for me. Um, I also am a sailor and I'm creating a lifestyle where I can be offline, you know, sailing uh, was really important to me. My husband and I met sailing and we want to create sort of an off the grid lifestyle eventually. Right now that means tied to our computers 24 hours a day as <laughs> most entrepreneurs can relate. But yeah, I think just the idea of wanting to lead a different lifestyle where we have more control over where we live, when we work, and most importantly, who we work with. Um, that's the most important thing is pe the people because it's like your work becomes most of what you do. And so you have to enjoy the people you're working with. And when I was working for other people, you just have no freedom in that. And so it's really beautiful getting to pick and choose who we work with and I think that's the piece I'm most grateful for about being an entrepreneur. Yeah. So, I mean, going back a little bit, I mean, there was so much to take out of that, that whole <laughs> thing, but um, just because I, you know, got a little bit into your story before we chatted, uh, you know, going from that Hollywood lifestyle where you were working nonstop, what, you know, you just kind of threw in that, oh, I went to Aruba and got kicked out of Aruba. I know the a little bit of the story, but could you relate that to the audience of, you know, how yes. that all happened? Yeah. So I was working, you know, and I, I've said this recently is uh, as I've been doing more interviews, I'm realizing that at every point in my career, what I was doing was my dream job. Mm -hmm. So 
wherever I was and that's evolved. So, you know, what I was doing 10 years ago, I would never want that job now. But at the time I was all in, like I loved it. I was, and, and I think that's really what Hollywood gave me as I wanted to work in TV. I got this opportunity on set. My first boss out of college was Forrest Whitaker. Um, I was his set PA, this, you know, Oscar winning actor, bigger than life. And I didn't know anything except I, in order to stay, I needed to work really hard. I needed to show up on time. And there were so many people that wanted my job. And so it gave me my work ethic. Um, you know, I was doing everything when I worked then on the production side of this to reading scripts, like thousands of scripts, which is where the storytelling really like came more into play. Um, seeing that script go from, you know, a piece of paper to a show to a you know, five season, six season show um, was really cool to see like the lifespan of that. But my boss at the time was really hard on me. And she said, you know, you're going to be on red carpet events and how you show up there is really important. But when we have people come and the trash is not emptied or the kitchen's not clean, that's equally as important. And I think as an entrepreneur, you're doing those things. You're taking out the trash and you're doing fun podcast interviews and um, realizing that both of those things are really important was a huge piece of my work ethic. And then I also hated Hollywood. My heart was broken. My ego was broken. I, um, I loved storytelling. I loved production, but I knew I needed to get out of that industry. It wasn't good for me. Um, so I really switched to the health and wellness world. Um, where I was producing content for an online network that was all health and wellness related. I was interviewing people that made, um, you know, uh, documentaries about, uh, you know, going green and sustainability. And I like totally like switched gears. And that's when I got into yoga. And I got to interview a famous yoga teacher who lived in Aruba. And when I was going through this like horrible time, I just went on a yoga retreat with her in Aruba. And uh, that network I was working for actually lost funding. And so I didn't have a job at the time. And she just said, I think you should stay and work for me. And this was early on in her um, sort of now she has one of the biggest yoga platforms, if not the biggest yoga platform in the world and getting to be a part of it from such an early stage and seeing the authenticity in what she was sharing. She was one of the first people on Instagram to like be posting real deep, you know, like using it as a journal. And seeing the way that people responded to that was really incredible. And the biggest sort of turning point in that story is she said to me, you know, I was her assistant, so I would, you know, answer emails. And most of the time when people reach out, the answer is no. And so I was just writing, you know, you know, th- like per my conversation, like we are not interested, da, 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 very Hollywood, very mm-hmm. LA. And she sat me down and she's like, even though it's a no, this is a yoga business, you know, like we do business with a heart. And we can be grateful and we can share gratitude and we can, you know, thank you so much for your interest. Like we're so grateful for you reaching out. Unfortunately, like there's a way to deliver the message mm-hmm. and that's, you know, a pivotal moment for me is when she said that to me, I ended up getting deported from Aruba. <laughs> um, I overstayed my welcome, but I was there during such a crucial time in her growth um, and getting to witness that authenticity wins was really powerful. And so when I got home and started working side jobs and this and that, like I think a lot of your listeners, you know, I had a full-time job and I was doing this stuff on the side. I, I got burned a few more times along the way. 
and realized that I wanted to create something rooted in authenticity. And I didn't know at the time how successful that would be. I just was so righteous in my mission that like, I only want to work with people that have the right intention and I only want to work with, you know, and I was really, really righteous. I've definitely learned a lot in that process, but the authenticity, it does win. And that was the coolest part. Now we've been, you know, in business over three years. And when I see a successful campaign, a successful launch, a successful product service, it's the intention that went behind it. It's the authenticity in which the story was told and the way in which that message was delivered is really important. Um, and so that's what we do. And that's what we focus on is the relationship between you and your audience or between you and your customer, between you and your client and building that relationship. So to me, that's what marketing is, is just building relationships. And through that whole story, you know, her saying to me, we can do business with a heart was like, Oh, <laughs> I'm going to create a business that does good and that treats people well and uses these tools of, you know, growing your email list, growing your Instagram, blah, blah, all these marketing tools as a way to connect and deepen relationships. And what's really cool about that is it works. And I did not know that when I started. I was just righteous in my mission. And luckily, thankfully, the authenticity does win. And that's allowed us to create a really successful business. So. Yeah, that's fantastic. I I love that story of yeah. you know, how you discovered that your your mission and all that. But you know, with marketing nowadays, it seems like authenticity and marketing are opposites in ways because you know it's trying to trick the customer into giving them your email, trick them into purchasing. How do you balance authenticity with marketing? Yeah, there there should be no gimmicks. Like when I get somebody, I have courses, I have an email list growth campaign, I have a free opt-in, I run ads for that. And as soon as you opt in, my first email is like, welcome to my sequence. You are, I will sell you something at the end of this. And I'm going to provide you a ton of value in the meantime. You're going to get so much free value from me. You're going to be so excited. I'm so upfront because I think when we're in a sequence or when we're in someone's funnel, I like to think they're, they know that, mm -hmm. that we're aware, you know, like I opt into things all the time. I see somebody doing this free thing. I'm like, Oh cool. They're going to sell me something. I want to know more about this. So I'm going to opt in. And so I function as though everyone is really smart and super aware um, there's no gimmicks. There's no tricks. And that makes marketing more fun. Yes, more challenging because it could be really easy to just, you know, get a hundred clicks or get a hundred email addresses, but they won't be quality and they're not going to really turn into anything. So for me, it's what kind of value as the creator of whatever it is that you're putting out there, can you provide your future customer that's going to want them to that allow them to give you their email? Because we know as consumers, how valuable our email is. We know that. Um, and so I want something valuable in return. And so when I see somebody making an effort to put something valuable in front of me to, to create a really powerful awareness campaign that makes me feel something that draws me into their why that tells a good story. Um, I'm way more likely to give my email. Um, and I do it all the time. I swipe up on ads because I'm like, Oh, they got me. This is good. I want to see where this goes, you know? And I get really mm -hmm. excited when somebody gets me, you know, I, my vitamins, they got me. 
you know, they got me on an email. They re they retargeted me so many times. They probably paid twenty thirty dollars to get me to make that sale, um, and they did, and they got me, and and it was great marketing. And so for me, and it was honest. I got to hear stories from their founders. I got to read testimonials. I got to read ingredients about their vitamins. All of this stuff was just served to me. I didn't have to research it. They just put me in their funnel, and it was a really great funnel. So I, I bought the vitamins, and so. I think that to me, the more authentic you are, the more real you are, the more you share your message, your why, your truth, what you're selling, why you're selling it, and get really excited about screaming whatever it is that you're selling from the rooftops, it's going to make other people excited too. So for me, there can be only one way to market something, and that's with authenticity and integrity. And you know, when marketing is gimmicky, it probably means your product isn't very good. <laughs> and marketing can't make your product better. And I say sure. that all the time. You know, you have to have something good. So I assume when somebody's coming to me, whatever they have is a great service or a great product. And if it's not, stop wasting your money on marketing and go spend money on making your service or product better. Because, you know, you can get 100 people in the door, but it's so much cheaper to keep your audience coming back and to keep people loyal than constantly finding cold leads. I mean, even if you just look at Facebook, it is 10 times cheaper to retarget somebody that's already in your audience than to go out and find a cold lead. Um, and I think it's the same way offline too. It's just way more work um, to constantly find new people to like bullshit, you know, instead yeah. of just like being really honest with the people in front of you and delivering a good service to them. So that's what I mean about honest business. When I say, you know, I want to talk about honest business, it's if we do that honestly, then marketing becomes really easy. Yeah. I love that you were upfront about that and say, Hey, I'm going to sell you something. Oh yeah. And yeah, also I what it. I sell you <laughs> is going to be an amazing course. Right. It's going to change your life. And if you don't buy it, I'm failing you, not me. So I think that's the other piece of selling something and the gimmickiness around marketing is if you do have something that's amazing, like for example, I'm obsessed with my Dyson vacuum. It literally changed my life. Um, I will scream it from the rooftops. And the fact that it, tra like, it transformed my experience of like cleaning, like I have a dog, like it really did change my life, my Dyson vacuum. And if they didn't sell me, then I'm getting like, it's a disservice to me, the cons mm -hmm. consumer, because I'm going to go buy like a knockoff version or, you know, a shittier version or whatever. And without that sale, I mean, they can just go make another sale, but I'm the one that's losing out. So I think when we're selling something to somebody and you really believe that your product or service is that amazing, then you're failing your customer when you don't make the sale. And so that change in mindset, you know, we had talked about mindset offline, I think is a really big piece of selling as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, that's something I've struggled with my whole life is, you know, having that mindset, I'm doing the disservice by not offering something that helps people. It's, it's, you know, always the opposite of, oh, I don't want to come across too salesy with somebody. I don't want to push something across, but really I'm benefiting them by offering it, offering my expertise and, you know, it's, it's that little shift that can make a huge difference in your It message. really, it made, the, it made a huge difference for me. I was um, doing sales calls um, for a, a program I did called the Authentic Marketing Program a couple of years back. And some, I was like, I don't want to do a sales call. I don't want to do a sales call. And my coach was like, 
this program is going to change somebody's business. If you don't make the sale, you're failing this person in their business. And that just was all I needed to hear. And I closed 10 for 10 calls and every single person had an amazing experience and still to this day, like books, consults and things with me. And that's all we can really ask for as honest business owners is that our clients have a great experience. And sometimes it means selling them what they want and then giving them what they need. And there's, you know, finding that balance. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you're not selling (laughs) and actively selling something, you probably don't really have a business. Um, So you have to get, get your mindset okay around that. Yeah, absolutely. So you come across as just somebody who's so naturally authentic. Has it, been a learning experience for you to become authentic because I mean it's funny that I have to ask that but you we talked a little bit offline that we you know grow up and we have certain expectations you talk to people this way and you act this certain way how do you discover your certain or your authentic self rather and how do you help others discover that too Yes. So for me, it's always come natural, almost too natural to the point where it's like absurd to me that somebody wouldn't be that honest and truthful. Like it, it, okay. it causes problems in my friendships, uh, in my family, you know, like if the truth isn't being sad or there's an elephant in the room that everyone's just like walking around, I'm out and I'm righteous in it because it's like, I, how can we even be sitting here having this? Like it, it's all, it's absurd to me, but I have, learned that, you know, we're all so unique. And oftentimes the one that isn't speaking up or is quieter is actually probably the smartest person in the room. And so I would say that it's a fine line between being authentic and righteous in that authenticity um, that I've had to learn over the years. But what I have come to realize about, you know, first defining authentic you know, is just living in your truth and being who you are. So for me, it means talking about being anxious um, publicly, you know, on my Instagram platform. It means talking about mental health. It means having the hard conversations, talking about my ego. I think a lot of it too is self-awareness and then a willingness to vocalize and share those like little nuggets of self-awareness that we have about things like, oh, my ego just came up there. I'm feeling jealous. And and then I'll say it and people are like, I can't believe you just said that. It's like, well, it's how I'm feeling. And, and for me to require that of other people, it means I have to show up that way. Um, so I, even in yoga, you know, I used to teach yoga and I, my prayer would be allow me to open my heart so they can open theirs because you can really, when you're met with somebody on the other end of the screen, I do a lot of strategy calls. They will soften, um, in my vulnerability and in my, you know, Oh, I'm not having a great day today, or I'm sorry. Like I need to eat something really quick. And they're like, Oh, I'm starving. You know, do you mind if I eat something that simple? Over like, oh, sorry, I just need to grab something to eat. They're like, oh my God, my food's been like getting cold right here. And it's like giving other people permission to stand in their truths. And for me, what makes people really unique is oftentimes things that we're not saying um, for fear of being judged, comparison, vulnerability, ego, self-doubt, all of this stuff. So I like to remind people of their gifts and I like to remind people how unique they are and that um, when they don't share those gifts, it's, it's doing the world a disservice. So similar to selling really. Um, 
and helping people overcome that in so many different ways. I mean, resistance shows up in, um, you know, our ego telling us that we're not good enough and comparing ourselves to other people doing things that are being more successful than we are, whatever. And just like keeping our eye on the prize. That's why the 90 day sprints is that focus, um, not getting distracted and really owning what we're good at. It's not an ego thing for everybody listening. You know, right now, I want you to close your eyes and think about what are your gifts? What do you walk into a room with? What do you bring to a conversation? What do you bring to your business? For me, it's truth, it's honesty, it's authenticity, it's integrity. And I, that's not from ego. That's what I bring to things. Has it lost me a lot of friendships? Yeah, I require a lot from people. And, um, but at this other end, it's brought such beautiful opportunities into my life. So I think there's a high road and a low road to all of our gifts, but we need to know what they are. Um, and so I think that's the first piece in bringing it out of other people is, you know, I'll, I'll give these talks and I'll be like, what's your gift? And I'll just call on someone and they're like, I don't know. I'm like, okay, well, we got to know. <laughs> so that's the first place where we start. Yeah. So I think I talk about this podcast, you know, multiple times about how this is selfish for me because I learned so much out of this <laughs> and I feel like you're talking directly to me right now because I am the type <laughs> person that it's like, I try to have, you know, a specific image and, you know, I, whatever my authentic self is, it's behind 17 layers of other mm. things. And so, you know, I've, I've been definitely working on that my, myself and trying to put myself out there, but it's usually I'm trying to hold back so that I don't get judged. You know, that's, mm. that's been a big fear of mine is, you know, what will people think? And, you know, I've, over the last couple of days, between people I've talked to, between texts I've received, it's like, wow, I'm, I'm, like you said, I'm doing the disservice by not being the authentic me. So thank you for speaking directly to me, even though you're speaking to my audience. Um, <laughs> I, well, I, what's the worst that can happen? I think that, you know, what, what is so scary about being seen? So many things. But for me, when I do speak up or like I'm intense, for example, um, in, in relationship and friendships, I'm honest, I'm direct. And if that doesn't work for you, then you're not really my people. So I think, you know, same thing, you're doing a disservice to that relationship because how beautiful to be fully seen and fully who you are, um, and vice versa, because then it allows that other person to show up more. So it's like by letting a little bit of your guard down, by being vulnerable, by sharing that scary thing, chances are it's going to be received really well. And if it's not better to weed out that relationship or that client or that situation early on than like, you know, resenting them five years from now because you can't be your full self. So, you know, I think it's easier said than done. You know, I've been, you know, in dark bathtubs crying for days over losing friendships or feeling judged or, you know, it's not easy, but I think it's rewarding. And for me, the only way to really live and function. And that's why it can translate so easily into my business because there's really no other way. Um, and when you're an entrepreneur, let's be real, like your business is everything. So. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, I think one thing you've touched on multiple times that I want to get into a little bit is the whole mindset of it. You know, the, that just makes such a difference in, in business is having the right mindset and understanding, um, what it takes to overcome some of those obstacles. How has transforming your mindset helped your business? 
Yeah. I mean, it's a daily practice. I think we wake up every day, you know, with our ego wanting to run the show. Um, The biggest thing is when I do feel that resistance, I actually now see it as being on the right track. So I equate like resistance with authenticity because, you know, if you look at just our purpose and our ego, our ego wants us to fail. Our ego doesn't want our soul's purpose to like come out and thrive into the world because that leaves no place for our ego. So when I feel that resistance, I'm like, okay, let's dance. You know, like this is a good sign. Let's sit down, let's have coffee or like buckle up because we're doing this anyway. So I actually see resistance as, oh man, this means you really have to do that thing. Like right now (laughs) I'm really resistant around launching this online course. um, And it means like, that's what I have to do. So I actually let it sort of drive me in a lot of ways. Um, And that change in mindset was, you know, a pretty big aha moment for me. And then also seeing with my clients, one in particular, she is so confident in what she's creating and the intentions behind things. You know, I don't think anything's good or bad. It's the intention behind it, which makes it good or bad. So marketing isn't good or bad. It's the intention that you bring to it. And when I saw her success, over and over again in these launches, I'm like, this is unreal. She is so tapped into the feminine, right? To the part of us that surrenders and trusts and doesn't want to control everything and just lets things be, which I don't have very much of. Um, And when I see that success time and time again and that trust in what she's creating, I'm like, there's got to be something to this. And when I have a really good strategy and a really good service, but my client is just paralyzed with doubt, the launch doesn't go well. Yeah. And and really sometimes the only difference between a successful launch and a not successful launch is the mindset going into it and the energy around it. And I know it's becoming less and less woo-woo to talk about energy and mindset. Like it's so real. And um to not, you know, for so for everything that I do, it's like half strategy, half spirituality. And for me, the mindset and the intention is all part of that spiritual practice um, of surrendering it, um, working really hard, taking every action you can, and then sort of surrendering it at the feet of our teachers and just like if this is meant to be mine, it will come. And if you really believe in whatever it is that you're selling, doing, putting out to the world, then other people will believe it and take it seriously too. So a huge part of what I work on with people is that seller's mindset is overcoming resistance, is facing it head on because my strategy is going to work. I mean, marketing isn't rocket science. Like you get quality leads into a sales funnel, you put something in front of them that's valuable and priced right, you're going to make a sale. Like it's, you know, I can get you in front of the right audience. My ads will make you feel something, you know, the landing page will convert. But what's the uh, unpredictable sort of thing in that process is my client and, and their mindset around it. And so that's where I actually spend probably 80% of my time um, on that. Because, you know, you can yeah. move numbers around and increase budgets and, you know, change audiences. And that's all really easy. But what's so unpredictable is our mind. So getting that, you know, into a space of gratitude and it's already mine, you know, it's already, it's already succeeding. We've already made 10 sales. Um, it's really hard to do. Yeah, I, I understand. So, uh, my daughter trying, tries to teach me this now that I've taught her the mindset aspect. And I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but you know, uh, 
she was working on a computer program for second grade math and she you know was consistently in the 60% fluency like she just could not get past 60% fluency for probably a month and mm-hmm. before we started doing math each day it was i am awesome at math you know i'd have her repeat it over and over again i'm oh, awesome I at love math that. and it went from 60% to 100% in a couple of weeks. And you know what? She's used that against me sometimes. It's like, oh, I don't know if I can do that, Dad. If you say you can do it, you can do it. It's like, dang it. You, you, you get it more than I do, even though I'm the one who told you that. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. I mean, I think cliches are cliche for a reason, you know, and that's what I'm starting to learn as I get older. Like, I was like, oh, it's so cliche. I don't want to be cliche or this sounds cliche. It's like, well... Because it, it it works and because it's real. And I think, you know, we can get bogged down in, oh, the power of the mind and and this and that. And and for me, it's very separate from my spiritual practice. Like I think a lot of people get into meditation or things like that because they want to like succeed and get their manifest and all this stuff. And that will happen, you know, when you start a meditation practice because you recognize the power of mindset, but you realize that's not like the secret to happiness. And I think it does need to be separate, like your connection to the divine, your connection to source and all of that is like such a sacred experience. Also, so is your connection with your ego and your purpose and your business and your work and all of that. And the more you can remove your ego, and that's what I have my clients do a lot of is like separating themselves from their business, writing letters to their business, really creating that separation. Like your business is an entity that is requiring something of you. It has its own energy. It has its own vibe. It has its own life. And when I can, instead of, oh, I have to get through these emails today, woe is me. It's like my business is asking me to sit down and all I need to do for the next hour is get through these 20 emails and my business will be happy with me. It's like working in partnership that way. Um, It removes the ego. I mean, all these things that I'm doing are just how can we remove the ego so we can get some shit done? Yeah. No, I would never have thought of that separating the business, you know, how you just, you know, place it in a separate entity rather than this is my business, you know, that... Well, because the my, the my, the me, the my, that's all this like, that's when we get so complicated with stuff. And I think that's where my sort of spiritual practice and all of that really comes into what I do. It's like every way that we can remove the ego. And for me, I literally do this thing where I sit down, I have coffee with my business. I close my eyes. I envision her walking into a room like she has an energy, a color, a shape, whatever, you know, your business appears to you as, and literally just ask, what do you need? How can I serve you? And then we go to a place of service when, and when you're coming at things from a place of service, it's like, that's when the magic happens. So it's like, how can I serve my business? You know, I hired somebody and he, the ends of his emails, he writes, how, let me know how I can best serve you. And I'm like, even that energy, you know, instead of like, let me know next steps or blah, blah. It's just like, even the way we word things, going back to that delivery of how we message things, um, And when we can be in service of our business, that's when the abundance actually really comes, which is so funny. Yeah. And you know what? It's it's interesting the way you describe it. And, um, you know, you talk about this business aspect from a spirituality standpoint, you know, to a lot of business owners, if you say, you know, treat 
your business like a separate spiritual entity. They might laugh you out of the room, but at the same time, when you when you just explained that process, it's like this is just practical advice. Like this oh, is totally smart. Like <laughs> oh, totally. And I didn't. It didn't come to me from like a spiritual meditation practice. It actually came to me from a business coach, um, which was sit down and have a conversation with your business. And then I realized, oh, that's removing the ego. That's separating. Right. Right. Like, so then I realized like what the, the actual benefits of that have on your person, on like your human, um, which is amazing, but it's, yeah, I think it's blending strategy and that sort of subconscious negative self-talk ego things that like control mm-hmm. our every single breath, you know, and when you just are in service to something like even today, I've calls all day you know, so I had, I've interviewed two people I'm going on two interviews and I could wake up and look at my schedule and feel exhausted. I'm like, wow, I'm really serving my business today, mm-hmm. you know, like in a big way. And just thinking of it in that way is so much more, uh, fun. Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree with everything you're saying. Like, I think this is uh, awesome and definitely things I will integrate into my business as well. I hope um, so. yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, I think it's great. <laughs> Um, so I want to jump a little bit more into the actual advertising side of things, the marketing side of things. So we've had, we've all been going through this same, same environment. We're all kind of dealing with the same thing right now. Everybody's moving online. How has that affected your business in terms of clients, but then also the actual, the buying, the actual ad prices? Yeah. So great questions. Um, knock on wood, everybody moving online is great when you have a digital marketing agency um, because everybody needs my help. Um, I'm actually moving away from the agency work more into high level strategy because there are so many agencies out there and what people really need is a strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, when I look at my target audience, the journey that they're on, the thing that they're missing, if I can pinpoint it, is a strategy because a lot of us are entrepreneurs and can do a lot of things on our own. We just don't have the tools, the apps, you know, Zapier, figuring out how to connect it, simple things like that, and you're off and running. So one thing is like helping people with those tools, and that's what we've really pivoted to given the current state is so many people are like, how do I do it? I'm like, okay, I'm just going to tell you how to do it. I'm not going to do it for you. I'm going to empower you to do it. Here's how you do it. So that's what a lot of my courses and strategy calls look like these days. So it's been really great for business. Um, We've gotten away from a lot of the retainer agency work and more Mm -hmm. like, let's get on a call. Let's solve this problem. And I love solving people's problems. It's so fun. So Um, From the business side, it's been great. It's been transformative. It's made me realize a direction in which I think we can thrive. Um, On the ad buying side, at the beginning, uh, and still, it was really cheap because every brick and mortar has turned off their ads. Mm -hmm. So like we were competing with, you know, basically core power, you know, say if you're a yoga studio, you're competing against core power, you're creating, you know, competing against all of these really big brick and mortar locations. And then all of a sudden everyone's turned off their ads. So you're reaching the same audience and it was a lot cheaper. Um, so that's definitely trending back up, but I would say for the first three months of COVID it ads were like 50% off. 
Um, It was kind of amazing, actually, how cheap we could reach the same audience because people were just like, stop the ads. You know, everyone just like stopped that spend because nobody really knew what was going to happen. So what we pivoted to instead of turning people's ads off was growing their email lists at that time. And we're still doing that. So instead of buying something or taking them to purchase because we don't really know what's happening, we had a huge yoga studio chain still do as one of our clients. Obviously, we were not running ads. But how do we continue to grow awareness at this time? So right now, the name of the game for me is grow your email list with quality leads because Facebook and Instagram were just beholden to their new algorithms, to their new policies. And that's really scary as a business. I, I personally think Facebook Business Manager is incredible because it gives small businesses an opportunity to be seen. Um, I know that's not the <laughs> mentality amongst most right now when it comes mm-hmm. to Facebook. Um, but for me, specifically from a business standpoint, um, which obviously you have to take so much more into consideration right now. It's holistic. But just looking at that piece of it, you know, before if you were in advertising, you had to pay $100,000 for an ad spot. Now you can pay 100 bucks and reach like a really quality um, audience. And so it's really kind of amazing what it does for small business. Um, that all being said, we're still beholden to where they're changing their algorithms, their policies, and it's getting more and more expensive and it's fully pay to play. Um, you can't reach anybody if you don't want to pay right now. I mean, how you, how many people you reach in your audience is just like unbelievable. And that's really frustrating. But growing your email list is something that, you know, email hasn't changed in 25 years. It's like everybody checks their email every day. And if you are delivering value and quality information and really working on who you're talking to and getting those specific people into your email list, you can reach them for free whenever you want. So what I'm doing on Facebook right now is running ads to grow people's email list. So like get this free, valuable, amazing thing. All you need to do is enter your email. Then we've got them in our sequence and we can have like a better relationship with them. Um, And we don't have to pay ever again. So my advice right now is if you're, you know, concerned about selling or, Um, reaching people on Facebook is if you can just reach them enough to deliver them enough value to get their email address, then it's like you can take a step back and see where the market's going to go and figure out a way to sell to them. Um, So that's what we did. um, And it was really cheap. You know, we were growing our client's email list at like, it went from like $1.50 for a cold email to like 40 cents. Wow. That's quality, (laughs) quality people too, who are like excited to buy whatever you're selling and, and it made a big difference. So obviously that changes every day. Um, but that's sort of the biggest shift we made, uh, on the paid media space. Okay. Do you see any in the near future, any of those trends changing in the paid media? Yeah. I think a lot of people are on YouTube right now, YouTube and LinkedIn. Um, People are getting off Facebook and Instagram. Um, I think in the big scheme of things, is it going to affect things that much? Not really. People, a lot of people are still on Facebook and Instagram, um, especially Instagram and Facebook ads. You know, you can just 
send them to Instagram. Um, but YouTube and LinkedIn is definitely where it's at. And if you're a thought leader or, um, you know, doing anything service-based, putting content out and you're not on YouTube or LinkedIn, uh, that's where you need to be focusing right now. I, Facebook and Instagram is so hard to tell. Um, it's still important. Um, but I think that YouTube and LinkedIn, we're going to see a big spike there very soon. Yeah, definitely. I I've noticed that uh, to be, spending more time on LinkedIn and I have been and I have been putting more content out to YouTube than I've ever done before. And so it sounds like I'm headed in the right direction. At the end of the day, it's good to diversify as well. And YouTube is like the wild, wild rest right now. You can reach people for like pennies um, and LinkedIn as well. Um, you know, you post something and most of your audience sees it. So that's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I've you know, cross-posted, you know, obviously cater it spe- um, to the specific audience, but, you know, basically similar content on LinkedIn and Instagram, and it's like just night and day difference in, in the amount of reach. So yeah. I, I mean, digital marketing is always changing, but I would say for the near future, LinkedIn and YouTube is a great place to invest. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Um, so we've talked, you know, kind of all, all over the place. Um, but I want to hit real quick before, you know, we try and wrap up, but you've talked a lot about, uh, at least in, you know, some of the other things that you've done. And we talked before about, you know, inspiring people in marketing. What is the difference between motivating them to get on your email list versus inspiring them? Yeah, I think that inspiring is a feeling and motivation implies action. So when you can inspire somebody, it's like make them feel something, make them feel seen, make them feel heard, make them feel connected, less alone, um, which then leads to motivation. But I think inspiration is the first thing. It happens like on the inside. Um, We're watching somebody, we're feeling something. I think especially in leaders, um, leaders make you feel better, not inferior. So I think when you're inspiring somebody, um, you have a a big responsibility um, and then motivate them enough to take an action. Like for me, like when you're motivated, you get out of bed, you get on the bike, you run the marathon, right? Or like versus just being inspired by somebody who's doing those things. It's less of an action type thing. And so I think inspiration comes first. Um, and that involves being vulnerable. It involves being truthful, sharing your story, um, you know, hopefully being insightful and a little bit charming, you know, enough to get your audience to listen to you. Uh, but they can smell authenticity. I think, I think that, that, you know, the conscious consumerism is real and people are paying more and more attention to where they're putting their money and where they're giving their emails. And it's, it's, it's less of this mindless thing and there's a lot more consciousness that's going into that. So yeah, I think, I don't know if that answers your question, but one inspiration is a feeling that you can give them and then to motivate them to do something. um, One, you have to have clear calls to action. 
So first step is inspire them. And second step is tell them what to, where to go and what to do and make it worth their time. So, um, you know, the first four questions I ask anybody are, you know, what do you do? Who are you? What do you do? Why does it matter? And what's in it for me, the consumer? And if you can answer those four questions, um, that's your marketing right there. And just telling stories, sharing testimonials, all of these different ways to earn that trust and loyalty, and then providing them a lot of value. So to motivate somebody to get on your email list. They have to feel seen. They have to feel inspired. They have to feel connected to you. And they have to feel like you're going to provide them a lot of value and not just sell things at them all the time. So then once you get them on the email list, it should be 80% value, 20% selling. That's what I usually say is the 80-20 rule. So I think the majority of the work lies once you get them on your email list, yeah. keeping them <laughs> motivated to open your emails and to read. And, and that's content and and, you know, sharing your story or why or uh, your value, your gifts, whatever that may be. Yeah, that's perfect. I, I appreciate that. Um, so I don't want to take too much of your time. So I'll wrap up, Bill, I'll still give you a chance to, you know, have people connect with you. But um, I want to ask you, what is it that excites you about the future, personal or business? What's exciting you right now? It's a great question. Um I'm working on boundaries um, right now, and I think for a long time, my availability uh, equaled my worthiness, and um, it's something that I'm really personally working on that obviously affects my business in a lot of ways, and I think what really excites me is being less emotionally attached um, to the outcome, so and that's exciting to me. It's exciting to me to not brag about being stressed out, but instead brag about going for a long bike ride um, and figuring out ways to serve as many people as I can um, and create abundance for myself, my business, my team, um, and just do less. I think that that's really, really exciting and that that's possible um, to just be still very connected, very tuned in, very uh, inspired and and passionate about what I'm doing. But I've I've been hurt a lot in business lately, and and it's because of my emotional attachment to the outcomes and to my clients. And I think especially as entrepreneurs, um, our identity gets really wrapped up in what we do and. Um, when you get burned enough, it like requires you to take a step back and look at things that you're doing. So I'm grateful for that. But for me, the thing that excites me the most is detaching um, from the outcome, still being as connected as present and all of that, but just less um, having less emotional stake in other people and just sort of letting them be and letting their businesses be and just doing whatever I can. And then letting it go. So I'm making changes in my personal life and as well in the business um, to reflect that. And it's exciting to me right now, the idea of slowing down a little, which I never thought I would. (laughs) No, I I think we all come to that crossroads at some point in our careers and entrepreneurship, whatever the case may be, uh, where you've got to take that step back and realize what's important, what's valuable. And you know, set up those boundaries. I've talked to uh, multiple entrepreneurs lately that do set up those boundaries. And, uh, you know, it seems counterintuitive, but it's at the same time, what 
helps give them the energy to help other people. So that's very cool. Definitely. Yeah. Boundaries are boundaries and self-care. Those are the things that excite me the most right now. (laughs) Okay. Very cool. Um, so I want to give my, my audience a chance to connect with you. Where can they best find more information out about you? Sure. We're authenticaudience.co.co. We have tons of free value um, on there. Uh, lots of information. I have a podcast, uh, the Authentic Audience Podcast. You can find everything on our website. Um, I'm Krista Ritma on social media. And the best way to work together is my favorite way to work together is one-on-one. I do these deep dives um, where we get on a call for 90 minutes and then I create a custom 30, 60, and 90 day marketing strategy just for you. So that's my favorite way to connect. And there's a small wait list, but we can usually get you in. And um, if you're ready to grow, reach out. If you are not ready, don't reach out. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Well, I I appreciate uh, all the value you've provided today. And, you know, it was great to connect with you. And I, I feel like I said, you know, earlier, I feel like this is for me. It's selfish for me, but I hope that you know, it reaches my audience and somebody else gets something out of it too, because I know I've gotten a ton of value out of this. So I know my audience has gotten value out of this. So I encourage you all to get out there and hustle the day.